Parents strongly caution, the following programs are intended for mature audiences over the age of 18. These programs may contain some material that many parents would not find suitable for children and may include intense violence, sexual situations, coarse language, and suggestive dialogue. All kids out of the pool for adult swim. All kids out! Welcome to a special spin-off bonus Patreon sneak peek of Ross Purdy Destroys Comedy with Ross Does an Adult Swim Podcast. It's a rainy Thursday afternoon, I've got my coffee with me, and now I'm going to jump on for podcast value of just talking about TV shows that I was into when I was a kid. Or in some cases, some TV shows I still am watching as a fully grown adult man. Last week you heard me do a podcast where I pretty much hate watch uh, a recent episode of The Simpsons. As recent as 10 years ago can be. Uh, That was a show I loved as a kid. And I feel like my tolerance for the lesser Simpsons is probably higher than most other people's. Like, I can still sort of watch the Mike Scully episodes today and think, oh, these are okay, even realizing that it's a completely different show to what came before it. And it's not technically great story writing, usually. <laughs> but I can usually handle all that better, except for. Ugh. I can kind of hand stomach up to season 16 before I'm like, no, no more. I can't do this. So like I said, my tolerance is much higher. But another set of animated programming and some live action programming I watched and loved was Adult Swim. I thought today in particular, this chilly Thursday afternoon is a particularly good time to just sit, sit alone in my home studio yakking about 20 old cartoons that used to air on midnight. Because it was just announced today that um, HBO Max are reviving The Venture Brothers, Metalocalypse, and Aqua Teen Hunger Force for, I assume, just one-off movies for now. And I'm assuming that The Venture Brothers and Metalocalypse movies are for to more or less wrap up the show as they were just oh so close to doing anyway before they were cancelled. I remember first hearing about The Venture Brothers getting cancelled. It was during the pandemic, it was the Melbourne lockdown, and I had just finished re-watching the whole series. Like, it was, there was nothing to do, I thought, oh, I might just look, crank out my some of my old DVDs, and just watch this to spill the time. And what do you know, someone out there must have known that I was just getting into Venture Brothers and told me, no, there's gonna be no more. And I thought, well, that's annoying. It needs an ending. It's an, it, it has a it ends on a cliffhanger that I'm not going to spoil because it won't make sense to you unless you've seen the show. And Metalocalypse, uh, 
Probably less likely for a revival uh, for the shit that sailed in that show ever coming back. Because that was a show they decided needed one more season. And the guy who runs Adult Swim, Mike Lazzo, wasn't necessarily so sure they wanted to do more Metalocalypse. So they gave Brendan Small, the creator, like a one-off special, kind of serve as an ending. And Brendan initially saw it as that, but then he was told, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't wrap everything up. Which gave a hint that, oh, maybe it will continue beyond this one-off special. So then he adds a cliffhanger at the end of it, but then it turns out to have ended, and oh boy, he should have just ended the show without that cliffhanger. Like, without it, I mean, the special generally works as a good, like, sending off point for the show. Like, it doesn't necessarily resolve everything, but without, if you cut out that end bit, it would have been a fine ending. Like, a fine, just sort of, just a fine sort of, like, character ending. Just like the characters are able to become the heroes they were meant to be. And then, boom, it ends. And then we have Aquatine Hunger Force. And out of the three shows, Adult Swim fans, or fans of those shows, have been constantly harassing Adult Swim social medias. And Aquatine Hunger Force was one of those shows that some people want, I want this back. I want this back. And it's like, I thought it had a good run. I felt like it did everything it could have done, and then some. Like, I, I felt the show got way more hit and miss after the movie. And even then, it's a show that, by its very nature, is going to be hit and miss. Uh, it's, it's just literally throwing crap at the wall. And sometimes it's great, very amusing crap. But I don't know, it's one of those shows that, for me, it's not as funny to me as now as it was when I was 16. I don't know what it is. Like, I can watch uh, Space Ghost Coast to Coast now and still find enjoyment in that. But Aquatine Hunger Force, I don't know. It's a bit different. So people wanted that show back. One-off movie on HBO Max, which is... Okay. And again, it's not, necess not necessary. But hey, if that's what the people want, that's what the people want. So with all that in mind, I was going to try and bury deep and... Try and sincerely talk about my relationship with the programming block. And just try and reach far back and see how it helps cement me as the comedian I am today. Because I think that sort of stuff was a big influence on me. It was especially a big influence on when I was younger, me wanting to do animation. Because when I was like in primary school, I was really, I really watched a lot of animated stuff. Like, I especially watched a lot of, I watched a lot of Cartoon Network. And, and Cartoon Network in Australia in the early 2000s, even just in the early 2000s, there was a lot of, Hanna-Barbera reruns. Or even just late 90s when I was just like 5 or 6 or something. There was just a lot of Hanna-Barbera reruns. So, in terms of early Adult Swim, where a lot of that was based on kind of parodying and subverting Hanna-Barbera, I've probably got that a lot, a lot of that more than a lot of my peers might have gotten. Well, then you have Harvey Berman, and they sort of targeted a lot of the obvious ones. Well, the obvious Hanna-Barbera ones, like, everyone knows Scooby-Doo and Flintstones and Jetsons. Stuff like Magilla Gorilla. Maybe not. It's kind of a bit more iffy. 
uh, what is it? The horse quick draw, McGraw, Wally Gator. All these feel very obvious now that I'm saying it. But there is a point where it's it gets a bit more iffy. Where it's something like Flintstones that like everyone knows. I mean, it's stuff where it feels like a lot of people might know it, but maybe not as much. And I also watched a lot of, you know, of course, a lot of The Simpsons. 6pm on 10. Just that classic time slot at weeknights. Of course, I watched South Park on that old classic Monday night SBS lineup. And of course, as AV Club has definitely detested, it's turned me into a raging alt-right asshole. And I am clearly not smart enough to differentiate between art and real life. So I take the opinions of cartoon characters on board. And now I'm just super contrarian for the sake of it. It's what we call an ironic joke here in the biz, which we're not allowed to do anymore because it turns you into an alt-right asshole. I also, I also watch stuff like uh, Futurama and King of the Hill. And King of the Hill, I feel like I just watched for the sake of it. Because it's like, oh, it's the... It's Mike Judge, he did Beavis and Butthead, and, and maybe didn't appreciate it as much when I was a kid, because it's a lot more... It's not The Simpsons and South Park, where they're a bit more, like, in your face. Uh, it's, it's a bit drier, and a bit, a, bit, a bit more of a quiet show, in comparison. While re-watching some a couple of times now, I mean, I probably appreciate it more now as an adult. I was probably one of those huge nerds, who, like, paid attention... To like the credits underneath, so I would know who would like write Simpsons episodes and all that stuff. And it was a bit like I want to do what Matt Groening does. I want to draw. I want to make cartoons. And I feel a little while. I feel like primary school. I had teachers that did encourage me, and uh, my parents did encourage me to do that. I think there's a part of him that's just glad that I had some kind of interest. Like, otherwise, I don't know if there was that much that, um, that interests me or got my attention. So I'll do little drawings. I'll write up little scripts on the computer. They, they weren't very good. But I guess for, like, a nine-year-old, they were good. Like, I don't know. I got praised for it. Like, I've always been told I'm a good writer from, from all the way back. Just to pat myself on the back. Um, all the way back to primary school, well, I don't know, I, uh, English teachers enjoyed my stories, or they, they wrote, uh, they, uh, they, uh, rated them highly. Speaking of Adult Swim people and creative Adult Swim people, I feel like I'm just gonna have a lot of, uh, Dan Harmon-esque stuttering and stammering, so bear with me. And that will come up later in the show, too, Rick and Morty. Yeah, there was a lot of focus on that, and... So I was just interested in finding, like, new stuff. So I initially found out about a show uh, called Home Movies, which I don't even know any... don't even know about it anymore. Like, I haven't watched that in a very long time. It has Brendan Small, the Metalocalypse guy, as one of the main characters. He plays a kid named Brendan, does the voice of a kid named Brendan. And, of course... I think it would be remiss not to mention that this is one of, like, the roles of, like, H. John Benjamin doing the voice of Coach McGurk, which I feel like, I feel like it was a lot of animation people who saw him do that show that kept getting him roles on other things. 
and that, and so he'll pop up in all these mostly adult swim shows and doing his like voice. That's great. And that eventually, of course, snowballed to him being kind of a megastar voice actor doing Bob's Burgers and Archer. And so I heard, saw, saw about her movies and I, went, I found out I was on Cartoon Network at like 10.30 p.m. I mean, back in the day, Cartoon Network used to play Adult Swim stuff. Very little, minimal Adult Swim stuff from 10.30 p.m. to like... 11.30, midnight if we were lucky. So I'd watch home movies for like the first half hour. With my mum actually, and... She actually enjoyed it too. It was weird, she would sort of join in and watch the Adult Swim stuff. We'd be for like the first half hour. Which is... I don't know. I guess what the point of saying that is, just... Watch... Watch... If you can, watch the stuff your kids are watching, parents. And, you know, guide them. It's what parental guidance means. You know, guide them if there's something in there that you want to tell, tell, talk to them about or whatever. Don't just shove them in front of a TV and... The TV's their babysitter now. And that is me getting off my soapbox. So, I'll watch those stuff. I feel like a lot of it for the sake of it. I do wonder how much of it I actually got. Especially because a lot of it was more like dry, conversational type humor. A lot of it is based on like characters sort of bickering and stuff. I would also watch... Occasionally they'll air Mission Hill at 10.30pm. That's the first show and I watched Mission Hill too. And that was like a short-lived show that was done by Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein. People who were showrunners to Simpsons for seasons 7 and 8, which are, some would argue is the last, two last classic seasons. Which, you know, general, generally I would agree with. And again, how much of the show did I actually get? How much of anything I'm watching I'm actually getting? Like, I'll watch some old Simpsons episodes nowadays, and I'll realize, oh... Well, I didn't really get that when I first saw it. And I'm not even talking about just, like, really, like, dirty jokes or anything or adult references. I guess just more, like, references to things a nine-year-old wouldn't necessarily understand. But I kind of laugh at harder and understand a bit more now. And it goes back to, like, maybe why I appreciate King of the Hill a bit more. But, um, then I, I, then I kind of got into looking up other Adult Swim shows. Like, just in general, just like I was on a real adult animation kick. Like, of course, like South Park and all that. And all that stuff. So I wanted to look more into that sort of thing. And I think I... My eyes next got on to Harvey Birdman. So I, rec I recorded that and just, like, watched it the next day. Because, like, I'm like, primary school. I'm not gonna... On a freaking weekend night, I'm not gonna be allowed to stay up longer than 11, but 11 p.m. So I watched Harvey Birdman uh, with my dad. Um, it was the Shuru Weenie episode. It's like it has a Japanese band suing Jabberjaw and the Neptunes. So I, I kind of knew Jabberjaw, that shark, that animal psychic, and a Barbera just, let's just have a 
bunch of Hanna Barbera's formula was just let's just have a bunch of boring human characters, but it'll be fine because we'll have a kind of talking animal slash creature sidekick. Like maybe Scooby Doo is like the one where all the human characters aren't that boring. But they're clearly not the stars compared to, like, Scooby-Doo. Oh, also, once they did Scooby-Doo, every single Hanna-Barbera... Hanna-Barbera thing just became about just ripping off Scooby-Doo. So really, Hanna-Barbera, they were really big on just ripping themselves off to keep making content. A little fun fact related to that, Seth MacFarlane got his start working at Hanna-Barbera. So, putting all that together kind of explains why he's very big on just repeating stuff he's done before when he gets a new show. <laughs> Except maybe, like, the Orville, which is just repeating what's been done before, but by someone else. So it's just regular ripping off. Not just, like, ripping yourself off, where you can't really sue yourself, but people will wonder how creative you really are. So, I, yeah, so I watched Harvey Birdman and my, with my dad, and we both, I was just... It's a very fast-paced show, and I wasn't prepared for any of it, but next thing I know, yeah, we finished watching it, and me and my dad were just like, wow, that was, that was not very good. At all. He agreed, like, of course he would not have enjoyed that at all. Um, but for some reason, something just kept drawing me back to it. I don't know what it is, and this happens a lot with Adult Swim shows now, even. Well, not necessarily now, but it kept happening where I maybe didn't like it that much. Felt like I didn't like it that much, but there was something where I felt the need to watch more of it. And then eventually, oh wait, no, I like this. And that kind of happened with Harvey Birdman, the episode after that. I remember I saw was the one where Fred Flintstone is a mob boss. Like, oh, okay, this is pretty funny, actually. And then so on and so forth. And that kind of started unraveling. My deep dive into the Adult Swim stuff, so Sea Lab 2021, uh, Brack Show, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, Space Ghost. Like, Space Ghost, the first time I saw. I was like, what was the episode of that? Um, uh, the Boo Boo Kitty episode, uh, with, with the two guys from Laverne and Shirley, David Lander and Michael McKean, which is like, something I would not understand. <laughs> I understand a bit more now. Like, the whole joke of the episode is that it's it's biting off Laverne and Shirley. Space Ghost and Zorak become roommates, and they don't get along. And while, while we're at it, their guests are from uh, a 70s sitcom that involve roommates who don't get along, or whatever. It kind of makes sense. Yeah, I would not have understood it. But then I, I kept watching it. And then I just, I kind of got into it. And I think it's when they play... And this is an episode fans point to as being just an old-timer. Uh, I think when I watched the Bjork episode, I think it's when it kind of clicked. When they aired that with the Tom York, like, oh, this is... It's a pretty clever way of, like... Like, Space Ghost Coast to Coast, they would, like... It would do the whole, like, animated host doing interviews with real people. They were on the screen. They would edit the interviews around. Make it funnier. Um... And whatever. It was clear they just... I think they had this Bjork interview just lying around. And they didn't know what to do with it. 
So they're able to just write her into this storyline where she's Space Ghost's wife and he's absolutely just annoyed by her. And it's just stuff like that that's very funny and creative. I think, an, I think another thing that really drew me to these shows, like, you know, C-Lab and Aqua Teen Hunger Force and the Brack show, I would kind of go through phases where I'd like one a bit more than the other. A lot of the time, what my family would watch was like, just really bad 80s American family sitcoms. Oh man, we had st- watched Family Matters with like Steve Urkel. Oh wow. Friggin' I want to show Step by Step. It's like the Brady Bunch, but for the 90s. Just this really awful, hawkish, sentimental stuff. And I'm just like, over here watching like these like limited budget animated shows that just deliberately assure the rules of television. Just like, like continuity doesn't matter. This is have a character die in one episode and then come back the next, or even in one scene and come back the next scene. There's no real, <laughs> like these these family sitcoms they would buy so strongly to a formula, and so strongly to like a type of what a storyline should be. And then, like, we would have something like Sea Lab 2021 that would just, like, these, like, f- bite-sized bits of, like, television, and there'll be, like, 15 minutes. And then Sea Lab 2021 would have an episode. Like, half of it is just a line of characters saying, uh-oh. And they somehow put that on TV. I don't know, I think that's what drew me to it. It's, like, it's, like, it's kind of breaking rules, but, like, in a fun creative way and they were able to take these risks because they costed like they were like given five dollars like the story of space ghost coast to coast how that show got into the got into development is actually pretty inspiring to me because it was just like programmers who ran the network who were like trying to think of ideas of like what stunt programming they can do oh let's just do like a all-day Space Ghost marathon of the old 60s cartoon show. Oh, I know what we can call it. Uh, maybe Space Ghost Coast to Coast. That's a actually a pretty good idea. Pretty good name for a show. Then they thought, oh, let's... Let's actually make that into a show. Let's take old crappy footage and line that up with, like, live-action guests and manipulated around and just like the show was like when it came out it was like the closest thing to public access tv cost wise without being public access tv like there actually was some funds to it but like it was like five bucks and i mean it was only like 15 minutes an episode because it's like they had like no money to like work with it and then they're just like oh let's just like do this as like a side project like at night like stories of him like riding in like the closet like everyone else went home they're like oh let's just work on this little freaky art project thing we're gonna put on like once a week at like close to midnight on a friday that very little people aren't gonna know what it is 
but like it, it kind of grew and grew and just people latched onto it and then that's how Adult Swim initially grew I mean big Adult Swim fans already know this but I guess I'm talking to the layman I suppose so it was like the success of that after six seasons they thought hey maybe we can do like a whole programming block with this kind of thing with like 15 minute like low budget animated shows and that's how it was born and then the show and then Adult Swim just score snowballed and Adult Swim in America, of course, they got Futurama and Family Guy after both had been cancelled. And that kind of blew up the block and helped kind of bring those shows back or helped see that there was still interest in those shows. So it brought them back. And now Futurama had like three something seasons besides more than it originally did. And then Family Guy is now just one of those animated shows that just... People have long forgotten why they liked it in the first place. And it's just become one of those shows that's just on. And no one's stopping it. And everyone just kind of shrugs their shoulders and like, I don't know, makes money. But Adult Swim in Australia was such a crappy little <laughs> operation. I mean, Adult Swim in America when it started, when it started out it was just a little makeshift operation. But Adult Swim in Australia... So when I started getting into it over when it, over in Australia, it eventually moved up from just Fridays to Fridays and Saturdays, and they eventually added more shows. Like like a couple of years afterward, they premiered in America, long after they've been torrented by internet nerds. Um, Venture Brothers and uh, Tongos of the Mare and Squidbillies. Tom Goes of the Mare, the first thing done by Tim and Eric, which I guess I wasn't that into. Maybe if I revisited now, I may, I might appreciate it more. But I was more into, and I guess everyone else that knows about Tim and Eric, was more into the sketch show they did after that. Tim and Eric, awesome show, great job. Which has, of course, changed the way, like, comedy is done on the internet, in the internet age, the way advertisers work in terms of, like, they want to do ads like Tim and Eric. Um, I did Late Night Party Boys, which was accused by a, an internet troll in Perth that what we're doing is just a, a second-rate Tim and Eric. But, like, I mean, whatever. Whatever. Everyone has their thoughts. I mean, Adult Swim many years later got Eric Andre on, the Eric Andre show, which was accused of being a second-rate Tom Green show. I mean... We're inspired, and I'm inspired, and I just wear my influences on my sleeves. What are you gonna do? But yeah, Adult Swim in Australia was just a shitty little operation. The episodes would be so far behind Australia, uh, America. So many like reruns, just over and over again. But I'll watch them. I'll watch them. Eventually, I'll just be able to stay up till whenever and watch them, like when I was. I think maybe 12 or getting to high school age. Just this little kind of corner of programming. I, I feel like many people were that in, I knew were that into. And it's that cliched thing of like, it felt like it was made, they felt like they were made for me. And I wanted to introduce them to other people. 
I'm like, I think these are so good. I want the, I want other people to be into them too. And I guess I still feel that way, but was about stuff like Tim and Eric and Eric Andre and all that more later day adult swim stuff. But um, maybe less idealistic and more, more like how a 27 year old would react than like a 12 year old would react. Adult Swim Australia would just occasionally air Gorillaz music videos as like filler for one reason or another. And there were 80s like Japanese shorts, I think they were Japanese, named Super Oil and High Octane. And like just, you'll be in the middle of like watching like the Venture Brothers or something, it will go to an ad. Like it will go to an ad during a part where it wasn't made to go straight into an ad. <clears throat> and you'll have to wait like, Five minutes for the show to come back because there's some just annoying Japanese cut. Stupid silly Japanese cartoon was playing in the middle that you'd... This isn't what I signed up for. This isn't what I wanted. Then boom. And, and actually in some ways, early high school I did... Was able to introduce some people. Uh, people in my sort of friendship circle just by... To all this stuff, just by sheer will of being annoying. Until Adult Swim kind of stopped on Cartoon Network, for reasons why I don't know. It was near the end of year 8. I think I read some joke that like... Oh, they air Cartoon Network on the... On the... In the children's hospitals. And then they'll just still have it on while... Have it on while all these shows were on. Like, as Adult Swim went on, their shows kind of got more and more crude and crass. Because when they were starting out, they were still kind of in that stage of like, oh, can we do adult cartoons on Cartoon Network? Then they got more and more comfortable. And so when Adult Swim in Australia was finally getting to those episodes, because like I said, we just took forever. It's not a priority, I don't know. I couldn't tell you what the ratings meant over here, but I don't know. I'm paying for a service. It shouldn't matter. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know necessarily how much of a fan base there was. Although I feel like there was a bit of a fan base. There's definitely one of a fan base for Harvey Birdman because that show was on SBS. So that became kind of one of the more recognizable Adult Swim shows. Like, they'll do, like, this anthology thing where they'll play Happy Tree Friends shorts along with all this other, like, weird animated stuff. And then just slap an 11-minute Harvey Birdman episode just right in the middle of that. Just really throw off the throw of all these little two to three minute things. And there was Aqua Teen Hunger Force as well because if you look online, you see the creators did an interview with Triple J. Of all places. Like wow. Triple J. The cutting edge of cool. They thought. They thought this was worth. Something good was actually worth introducing to the youth. Something that's entertaining. This kind of. Anti-television rule breaking. Cartoon show about. Talking fast food. That was sold. To executives on the premise. That oh it's. It's, they solve crimes. They're superheroes. It's fine. Because when they were initially, initially trying to sell the show, they were trying to sell it like how the show became. Oh, it's just like the, it's like this box of fries, this box of uh, this uh, milkshake. 
and like this water meat and you all just kind of hang out and like these weird monsters and creatures and aliens kind of come and interact with them. And the executives of course heard that and thought, what the hell is that? We're not gonna, what? We're not gonna do that. So the kind of Trojan horsed in this show under the premise that it was actually going to have a premise. But then after two episodes, they were like, dropped it. <laughs> and that's kind of the ethos. I guess there's a lot of stuff I like. I mean, or even just stuff I would want to do. Just something that starts off one way. You could start off one way and then just drop it off. When you like find something more interesting. Like you don't have to stick to what you said a thing has to be. Like I think a lot of things... A lot of podcasts, actually. I feel like they make it about something super specific, like each week we're gonna just read over some old uh, emails we got and, and talk about that. And I don't know, I just want to just give yourself the room to like, if you eventually start talking about Jar Rule or something, and Jar Rule music and that becomes a joke, and that becomes the more interesting thing, and don't feel the need to stick to the, the email thing that has maybe worn out its welcome a little bit. It was a good starting off point. It got you going. But don't be afraid to have like the, the, the thing like shift and change. I think it's the type of thing I usually like and would want to do. And what I and I think kind of why I initially made Ross Perley Destroys Comedy such a kind of kind of a real nothing premise. Like, it's like, oh, it's like an interview show, but with comedians. Of course, it's got that sort of, like, ironic, subversive element to it. Look at me, calling myself subversive. Well, I have to do it because no one else is doing it. And, but yeah, I just wanted to make something that's, I guess, kind of vague and not super specific. Like, some people are, like, all about, it's like the most specific premise there is. And then you just lose interest in it after five episodes. At least with a format like this, I feel like you can at least sandbox it and just it can be sort of sort of fit for anything. It could be like a creative playground. And that's a lot in the way Adult Swim is. And probably like in a way that that's the way it's kind of inspired me. To just go out there, be weird. Follow your own bliss. I'm trying to I'm trying to wrap up this rambling and trying to make it seem like there was a kind of purpose to all this instead of just self-indulgent blabbering. And I, and speaking of blabbering and Dan Harmon-esque stuttering and stammering, I was going to talk a little bit about Rick and Morty. And if I do another Adult Swim podcast, maybe maybe I'll talk more about that. But, uh, long story short, I mean, I think it's funny, but definitely not the best adult swim show out there. I don't even think it's really... Jimmy, just compared to other shows, I mean... I don't know. I have my own sort of, uh, feelings on it. Maybe, maybe it's some hot takes. Some hot takes on the show that kind of go beyond just... <clears throat> some of the fan base isn't so great. I mean... Look at any sort of show that like amasses a fan base. You're gonna find a lot of people that aren't so good. And of course, they often end up being the loudest. So, of course you're gonna notice them a bit more. 
So, what did Adult Swim uh, inform and influence my comedy? Uh, just a creative playground and be free to be experimental. And that is my little full stop on this. And I went on much longer than I thought I was going to. When I decided I want to do this, can I speak this long on this podcast with sincerity about things? About things. I mean, this is probably the longest stretch of the show where I haven't just been like uh, super ironic and then and, and my weird little persona boy. You know, like some weird Andy Kaufman. Who, by the way, I guess was heavily inspiration to Mike Lazo, the guy who like ran and for Adult Swim for twenty years and and um, kind of started the whole thing all the way back with Space Ghost. He's an enigmatic and polarizing figure that would have been interesting to go into. If you think I'm rambling, I'm I'm, not talk- I'm talking by myself. I don't have another person beside me to like control it a bit and just sort of. Help me keep on track. But we're reaching to the end of this particular podcast. And maybe I'll do another part where I talk a bit more. Maybe introduce you to some stuff. I would recommend. Right now I'll recommend watching maybe Venture Brothers. Metalocalypse. Um, maybe Aqua Teen. Like I, like I said. Not as good as it was when I was 16. Space Ghost. Space Ghost is mostly an all ages type show. Like they sort of. Couldn't be too adult because it was on the main Cartoon Network for so many years. Then the last two seasons kind of get a bit more risque. So maybe be a bit wary of that. But everything after that point is fine. Doesn't go like nearly suicidal with how risque it decides to become like the Ren and Stimpy adult party cartoon. Huh, look up that mess. And look up John K. <laughs> Look up John Kay if you want to just feel bad for a little bit. Why was Ren Stippy so disturbing? Because John Kay himself was so disturbing. Uh, two shows I didn't necessarily delve into a lot. That did, of course, influence my comedy. Just a lot influenced my DIY, punk, internet, post-internet comedy. Tim and Eric stuff. And the Eric Andre show. I'd recommend those. Highly, with emphasis on the term highly, like, I would highly recommend you smoke some crack. <laughs> Just inject it into your veins. Oh, if you want to see Archer before it was Archer, I would watch Frisky Dingo. I honestly think it's better than Archer, but it only lasted two seasons. Doesn't really have an ending. It's kind of like when the guy Adam Reed was clearly going through a big Arrested Development phase. Because Frisky Dingo is a lot of it feels like CLF 2021 mixed with Arrested Development. And it's really good and funny. And kind of leads, leads on to Archer and how they developed their style. And oh boy, I mean just direct message me on Ross, Ross Purdy will destroy comedy if you want to... You just want to talk this type of shop. I mean, I can geek out about this type of thing all day, but I don't want to geek out about this type of thing all day. I really got to put a full stop to this podcast. Like a full stop. What was the point of all this rambling? Adult Swim taught me, just uh, opened me up to a world that was a creative playground. There, that's the end. 
that hope that sentence will hopefully make this feel less like self-indulgent rambling and more of like I had a plan for all this there was a point and here's my sign out phrase all kids out of the pool